time just seems to be kind of, you know, moving uh, right along. Last uh, month, you know, my, I kind of really felt in my heart that I wanted to, I wanted to explain how much God wants to be a part of our lives. And, and that was really why he even sent Jesus. You know, why, why didn't it just keep going on like you, you see it in the Old Testament where God kind of seems to be up either on this mountaintop or, or up in heaven or, or in this temple. And then he just kind of, you know, uses people here and there and prophets and, and kings and things like that. But, you know, God wanted to live amongst us and that's why he sent Jesus down to, to be with us. And so, you know, we kind of told these stories of Jesus literally interacting with, with, with us, with, with humankind, and, and how he reacted to things. And what's interesting, when you really follow the life of Jesus uh, in the New Testament, he, he kind of, it was radical. He, he wasn't doing what the, the religion at the time was doing. It, it, if anything, it kind of turned everything upside down, and, and it... And by the way, it wasn't that Jesus was going against what God had already set up. It's just that man had taken what God had set up and he had so corrupted it and he had made it almost this impossible thing, right, that that God had to finally come in and say, listen, I'm going to come and live with you and I'm going to explain to you that you don't understand that I, I love you and I, I want to help you and I want to I heal you. I want to transform your life that I don't want to just leave you, you know, to yourselves and, and, and allow chaos to happen. So we see the life of Jesus and we know how the story goes because we celebrated his death and his resurrection. But then Jesus does something right? He leaves, right? He goes away. I mean, like you and me all both know, we've never, we didn't get to hang out with the, that Jesus, right? We didn't get to hang out with the, the Jesus that, you know, came in, 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 in fleshly form. So what's going on? Why, you know, how does the church function if, if you know, Jesus only came for, for just a short amount of time and he only hung out with just a very small group of people in the beginning and discipled only you know, 12 men and, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, why are we continuing to do this thing? Well, there is an answer to that question. Kind of taking a, a quick uh, aside, um, I don't know about you, but I grew up, uh, especially as a young boy, I grew up loving superheroes, right? And right now, superheroes are huge. Uh, to be honest with you, when I was a kid, uh, and mainly it was, you know, by the time it was, it, for me, it was the 80s uh, that was really, really getting involved uh, and buying comic books and, and, you know, they had obviously cartoons, Saturday morning cartoons and, you know, all, all the superheroes and, you know, the Spider-Man cartoon and, you know, there was a Batman and Robin cartoon and all that kind of stuff. You know, that was when I was really like, you know, getting into it, but it was not, the superhero thing was not as big as it is now. And that's because all those kids all grew up and now they're all adults and now they want the adult versions of their Saturday morning cartoons, right? That's why Marvel is just huge right now. Now, I do have to say, since I'm bringing it up, but I am really a true DC fan. Uh, if DC and Marvel are, if you don't know, our rival uh, comic book, uh, you know, uh, publishers and, and things like that. I'm a, I'm a Batman guy, which is, which is kind of ironic because I've, I love su- superheroes and I've always wished for a certain power. Anybody? Ever, even ladies, okay, come on, you ladies, I know you thought about it too, right? You, you thought about it too. If you could have one power, right, that you superheroes, what would it be? You know, 
What would it be? Would it be super strength? Would it be to fly? Would it be to run fast? Would it be to uh, uh, be able to perceive other people's thoughts? You know what I mean? Or, or move objects with your mind? You're like, what, what is it? You know, those are all kind of the, the, the superhero powers. Uh, and, you know, we've all grown up thinking, oh, you know, I want to be able to, you know, fly. Or, you know, I've always, I don't know why I always wanted super strength. If I had to pick one, it would be super strength. I wanted to be able to pick things up or, or I think it was because I was always small. I wanted, to be, I wanted to be able to beat up people that were a lot bigger than me. That's what, really what it was. But there's something about, uh, you know, uh, superheroes that, that, I, that kind of captured me. And, and to be honest with you, there's, I believe there's a reason why that superheroes are so intriguing. All of us think about the better version of ourself, right? The, the stronger version of ourself, the, you know, whatever it is. We all think, man, yeah, I would like abilities beyond myself. I would love to be able to do things outside of my own physical constraints and things like that. And it got me thinking, God was thinking the same thing. He was thinking, you know what, I want to help my people do more than, than they could do in their own physical strength, right? And, and this actually happened. God had a plan, and so let's, going back to now Jesus leaving, Jesus says, you know, I'm going to leave, but I, I'm going to send, he says, you know, the helper, right, the, the advocate. He even, he even says, I'm, you know, uh, there's a gift that I'm going to give you, and that's what we're, we're going to look at today. We're going to talk about also where it all began, where did, did you guys know, and, and to be honest with you, it's, it's something that I'm always even still learning about myself, but how this whole thing called Christianity began, right? Because before Jesus came to the earth, there was nothing called Christianity. Christianity is basically people say, no, we follow Christ, right? We are Christians. That's what even that means. We are followers of Christ. We are disciples of Jesus, that's even what, what we're saying when we call ourselves Christians. We, we believe in the teachings of Jesus Christ. And, and from that, the, the, the church was birthed. But it's interesting, Jesus didn't stick around. He kind of handed it over to his disciples. He said, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. But he doesn't leave them alone. And he promises them basically special abilities and special powers to ignite something that would encompass the entire world. You know, Christianity, no matter what you think of it or what you believe or what you've seen or what the world tries to tell you, Christianity is the most powerful following in the entire world. So I'd like to look at some scriptures this morning. We're going to start in John 14, verse 15. These were Jesus' words while he was still on earth. So we're going to start before Jesus leaves and ascends, and we're going to just listen to what he is saying to us. He's speaking to the disciples, but I really believe he's also speaking to you and to me. He says this, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. John 14, 25. I'm going to kind of skip a few verses. He says this. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I have told you. 
See, this all happens before... It, Jesus is speaking before he goes to the cross. He's, he's kind of setting them up and, he, and he's kind of giving them instruction about what is to come. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think the disciples got it. He was telling them this thing, I'm going to leave you, I'm going to send the advocate, I'm going to send the helper. But I think they're going, oh, that's great. What's that? What, what, what are you talking about? What's going to happen? What? What's going on? Right? I'm, by the way, I am a man, if you didn't know that. I'm a man. I'm also a husband, which means I don't listen too well, okay? I don't hear. Uh, my wife has to ask me many times, uh, uh, tell me the same thing, you know, over and over because I don't. I'm just going to be honest. I'm being honest. I'm an open book. I am confessing my sins to you, wife. I do not pay attention very well. I know. She said, did you not hear me? And I go, oh, yeah, I heard you. She said, well, then what did I say? Uh, something to the minute. No, no, I didn't hear you at all. <laughs> I would imagine Jesus is, okay, so, so uh, you know, picture, you know, me, right? Me not listening or passive listening or basically watching television. I don't know why it is in the middle of one of my favorite shows, she wants to explain the, the, the world to me. She wants to explain the mysteries of, of the world to me right in the, the climax of one of my favorite TV shows. Okay, that's a, that's a whole nother. You can't pause it. That's for another. That's counseling session. That's for counseling. Frank and Ann will be calling you. In. So anyways, I digress. But I picture that what I usually look like when I'm answering my wife when she's talking to me, that uh-huh, uh-huh, you know, that shaking my head but not really listening thing, that there were basically 12 disciples as Jesus is saying, you guys, I mean, I'm going to go. I'm going to leave you the, the advocate. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. And they're probably going, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, Jesus, you know, goes to the cross. And they're like freaking out. They completely forgot about this. But here's what's great. It doesn't end. So now let's jump to Acts chapter 1, right? This is after Jesus has gone to the cross. This is after uh, Jesus has risen from the grave. He's conquered death. And he's literally, he's come back and he's walking amongst everyone again, especially his disciples. So it says this in Acts 1.4. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. Did you hear that? As I told you before. Does that sound familiar, ladies? As I told you before. Remember that thing I told you before? I'm reminding you because I'm guessing you forgot. Oh, right. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's telling them again because he knows they're knuckleheads. Acts 1.8, one of my favorite Favorite, favorite verses, especially about the church and who we are today. He says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Whoa, this is getting real now. What? I don't remember this from our last talk. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is powerful. This is powerful stuff. This little thing, right, 
this little thing that they once were, these, these, these 12 guys who hang out with this one guy who kind of walked around and, 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 you know, watched him do teachings and watched him heal people. and You know, it's kind of just this thing, this little thing. He's saying, you guys, you're going to go to the ends of the earth. You're going to be my witnesses. This thing is going to be huge. So this is now, of course, after Jesus has risen from the dead, right? This is now, now that he's shown himself. I would guess that they're a little bit more attentive right now because they've just watched Jesus raise himself from the dead. They're probably listening, right? This is also, you guys, the fulfillment of prophecy that we see all the way back in Joel. Joel chapter 2, I don't have it on the screen for you, but, 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 uh, but Joel chapter 2, it says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my maidservants and, and, and men servants. And I will pour out my spirit in those days. So here's what happens, right? They do what Jesus tells them to do. They go and they wait for the gift, right? The free gift. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes, says this, on the day of Pentecost, so there's, again, they're, they're celebrating a Jewish, you know, uh, a Jewish custom, they're celebrating a Jewish holiday, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. Here we see it. Here we see it. Jesus leaves and even warns them, listen, I'm leaving. But I will send you the helper. I will send you the advocate. I will send you the gift, the free gift. And he's going to empower you. You're going to do things that you have never done before. Remember I, I was talking about how, I, you know, when I was a kid, I always wished to be a superhero. I always wanted to have powers. I always wanted to be able to do things that I couldn't do in the, in the physical. Here it is. Here is happening. And we're also seeing the birth of the church. We're also seeing the birth of Christianity. We're also seeing something that was always meant to be a movement, not a religion, start right here. And this is a great place even for us in our walk to start and to watch and to see what God did. Referencing Joel again, Joel, Joel is, is prophesying about basically the, the last days, they call it. The last days. You may have heard that reference before, the, the end times, the last days, and things like that. I believe when, when the last days are referred, they really, uh, to me, I really believe it means from the beginning of the, the birth of the church, right? Uh, when the Holy Spirit is given, I believe that these are the last days, and we've been living in the last days since that time. And these are the last days, that we are living in the last days, and that the same prophecy that was given to Joel has been given to you, that it's not something that has stopped, that it's something that has continued to be given, that his spirit has continued to be poured out. So who is the Holy Spirit? You may be going, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. Craziness, man, that's what's coming out of your mouth. What is this Holy Spirit thing? I just want to go and I just want to be able to, you know, read my Bible. And, I just, you know, I believe in God. I don't want to get crazy 
weird hocus pocus kind of stuff, right? So who is he? Well, let's explain who the Holy Spirit is because I think if you get a chance to know him, then, then it'll be a little bit easier to, to re- receive him. So who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do for us? Well, first of all, going back to Acts 1-4, Jesus refers to him as this gift. He is the gift, right? He is the gift. Well, what is a gift? A thing given willingly to someone without payment, a present, right? A gift. It is some, something that has been given to you freely. There is nothing that you have to do. There's no works. There's no payment. There, you know, there's nothing that you have to do to, to receive this Holy Spirit except your belief in Jesus Christ. Your belief, you obviously have to believe in God. You obviously have to believe in who Jesus is to receive the gift from him, right? But besides that, there, there, there's not anything that you have to do. You don't have to be this perfect person. You don't have to be this, you know, super, we call them super Christians. You don't have to be, you know, this highly religious person. It's not just the guy at the pulpit who has the Holy Spirit. That's not the world we're living in anymore. Where it's just this one person that seems to be anointed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is for every single one of you. Amen? He is the gift. The second thing is, is he's referred to in John 14 as our advocate, right? He is our advocate. Well, what is an advocate? A person who uh, publicly supports or recommends a particular cause or policy, all right? That's what an advocate, that's what the description of an advocate in, in the dictionary. A person who publicly supports or recommends a particular cause or policy. Really, it's you. You're it. You're the cause, right? You're who the Holy Spirit is, is advocating for. It's for you. Synonyms for advocate. I actually felt like these were pretty powerful. Synonyms for advocate. And here they are. Champion. Supporter. Backer. Promoter. Protector. Spokesperson for. Speaker for. Campaigner for. Fighter for. Battler for. Crusader for. That is what's been given to you. Do you see those words up there? Would you not like to have the almighty God doing that for you? Somebody who's got your back, right? Somebody that when you're in trouble, somebody that when you're being attacked, that is doing this for you, that is who the Holy Spirit is. And this is what we need to understand when we talk about him, that this is what he is meant to do for your life. It's who he is. The third thing is he will never, ever, ever leave you, right? He will never, ever, ever leave you. And in, in, in John, uh, it's, this is what, you know, Jesus says in John 14, 16. But in John 14, 18, it says, no, I, I, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will not leave you orphaned. By the way, I, I know what abandonment feels like. Because my parents divorced when I was seven years old. My dad left the house and he left, you know, my mom in charge of my, my brother and I. And, and I know what it feels like to be rejected. I know what it feels like to be alone. But Jesus even uses this word orphan. It means to have no one. It means to have no parent. I have to admit, I don't know what it feels like. I don't know what an orphan must feel like. That must feel, you know, uh, 
awful. It must feel so lonely that nobody loves me, that nobody cares for me, that nobody would stand up for me like we talked about the advocate. Nobody's fighting for me. Nobody's battling with me. Nobody's protecting me. But Jesus says, I will not leave you orphaned, which means I will always be there for you. And he shows this in the form of the Holy Spirit. He says, the Holy Spirit will never leave you. Do you understand that? He will never leave you. Think about that scripture when David, King David is, is confessing his sin and he cries out to God and he prays this beautiful prayer and he says to the Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me because I do not want to be alone. He promises he will never ever leave you. He will never ever leave you orphaned. That is who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit also in John 14, 17, he leads us to truth. I have something to tell you that is unpopular in our culture right now, and it's probably going to tick some of you off, but I have to answer to God, not man. There is only one truth. There is only one truth, just like two plus two equals four. There is only one truth. The world is trying to say that there's other truths out there, but there is only one truth, and the Holy Spirit will help lead you to that truth. In fact, the Bible says this in John 8, 32, and it says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth isn't like what we've, man has created religion to be this, this weight, this, this like, you know, this harness, this, this thing that comes over you and holds you down and weighs you down and tells you you're no good and tells you that you're nothing and tells you that you're never going to be good and that you're not holy and you're all of this kind of stuff. That's religion. In fact, that's what man does. But God says this, you will know the truth and you know what the truth will do for you? It will set you free. You see, I don't want religion with God. I want a relationship with him because it will set me free. I will finally be free of the bondages of sin. I will finally be free of the bondages of this world and the weight that the enemy tries to keep pushing down upon me. That is the truth. It also says that he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you in John 14, 26. I don't know about you. Let's go back to... My story, I'm a very forgetful person, right? My wife tells me one time, she tells me two times, she tells me three times, and I'll still ask her, what did you say? What was that again that you wanted me to, me to do for you, right? We're forgetful. We're forgetful people. We have a lot of information that we're trying to process. And on top of that, we're supposed to remember everything Jesus told us to do and, and live by, you know, what he has commanded us to do. Guess what? Superhuman strength, right? Going back, the Holy Spirit comes and he empowers you. And one of the things he does for you, he helps remind you. He helps remind you. In fact, when I'm up here and, I'm, and, and stuff comes flying out of my mouth, to be honest with you, I can't, sometimes I can't do that when I'm just standing outside, you know, just having a conversation with that person. But all of a sudden, when I'm up here and I'm speaking, all of a sudden, scriptures will just come to my mind. It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit who is, who is reminding me, I've read those things before, I've heard those things taught before, I believe in those things, they're there, but sometimes I need help bringing them to my memory. Yes, that's right. 
The Holy Spirit does that for you so that you don't have to go, man, you know what? Forget this Christianity thing. There's no way I'm going to be able to remember all that. Remember what I'm supposed to do, how I'm supposed to act, how I'm supposed to do this, not do that. It's not what it's supposed to be about. It's not supposed to be about a set of rules. And, oh, man, if I break them, I'm out of the club. The Holy Spirit comes, and he, he brings to your remembrance everything that you've learned, everything that you have stored up in your heart, right? The other thing, the last point that I'm going to make, says he gives us power. He gives us power in Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8 says he gives us power. Can I tell you, if you ever, ever wanted to be a superhero, now's the time. If you ever, ever wanted to be empowered to do more than you're doing, guess what? Now's the time. In fact, Jesus even promises his Holy Spirit that will give you power. You will be able to do things that you have never done before. I love this scripture. Going back to John. John 14, 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Right? You guys remember the things Jesus did? What did he do? Healed the sick, right? Made the blind see, right? Healed the paralyzed man, raised people from the dead, casted out demons, did some pretty crazy stuff, right? Pretty radical things. He says, yeah, remember all those things? Guess what? You can do those things too. You can do those things too. But then it goes on to say, and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father, Jesus says, hey, listen, I'm leaving. I'm not going to go around and do all those stuff anymore. You are. You are. You're going to go and raise the dead. You're going to go and bring sight to the blind. You're going to go and set the captives free. You're going to go and heal the brokenhearted. You're going to go. You're going to go. That's what the church is. That's what the church is supposed to be. And let me tell you something. If you ever had another experience of church and it did not look like that, then you were not at church. You were not at church because that's what the church should look like. And that's what should be happening. Relationship, restoration, healing, forgiveness. Those are the things that should be happening in a church. So how do I go and get this free gift? How do I do it? I want it, right? I don't want to try to do this world on my own because to be honest with you, I'm doing a poor job of it, right? I am not that smart, right? I need help. I need the Holy Spirit. So how do I get this free gift? It says it in Luke 11:9. Jesus, these are his own words, says to you, so, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. If you then, verse 13, skipping, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It is that simple. All you have to do is ask. It's not about what type of person you are. It's not about, oh, no, I'm not, a, I'm not an eloquent, you know, speaker, right? Oh, no, 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 I'm not good with people. Oh, no, 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 I, you know, you can make up excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. But that's what the Holy Spirit's for, is to take you from who you are and to give you power to become more than who you are. To really become the best version of yourself. In fact, the most holy version of yourself is what the Holy Spirit does inside of us. 
And every single one of you have the opportunity. Every single one of you have the opportunity. Because this building is not the church. You are the church. The church is not chairs. The church is not a building. The church is not a pastor. The church is not a worship team. The church is people. And the church isn't even, you know, oh, that we meet on Sundays. That's not just the church. That's a part of it. It's something we do. We fellowship. We we encourage each other. We worship together. The church is about relationship. The church should be about going out. The church should be about touching those who are desperately in need to be touched. Feeding the hungry, right? Healing the sick. Going and helping the brokenhearted. That's what the church should look like. And we can only do that with the power of the Holy Spirit helping us. Amen?